Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. My name is Phil Crimmins. This is podcast number 153. And if you're unfamiliar with the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, it is a Q&A podcast where we talk about the comments on the community forum underneath the lessons in the Mandarin Blueprint Method video course and, of course, any emails that come in. And we also talk about certain things related to the course that are a bit more specific towards the end of the podcast. But you can count on the fact that whenever you listen to the Mandarin Blueprint podcast, there's always going to be little hidden gems of Chinese knowledge, but also how to keep a good attitude while you're studying, how to maintain it over a long period of time, which can be very tough. You know, you can have uh, times in your study process where you know, some days you're very energetic and full of purpose, and then other days you just want to uh, take a nap. And so how do you stay motivated for such a long-term project that is going to follow you through the gamut of human emotion and human moods and, you know, how you're doing day to day? So uh, you'll always find some good and helpful tips on the Mandarin Blueprint podcast. So before we get into any of the Q&As today, I'd just like to give you some updates. Um as we speak, our assistant is getting ready to publish the intermediate course stories. They're finally ready. Uh, we have all of the stories moved over to our website, and it's just a matter of getting the links into the lessons and double-checking that all the lessons have the correct uh, text in them. But big thank you to Ija, who was the um, person who coded all of the lessons to have this great text tracking, and it's really awesome. It's quite... A good experience to have the text tracking the way it is because what you can do is you can actually like click on any sentence as it's on the screen and it will start the audio from that point and that is particularly useful for like you know you so say first you read and watch and listen to the whole text and you've got the text tracking so where the audio is is highlighted in the text and you read through the whole thing and there's a particular sentence that you want to hear again or you, you want to shadow you can just keep clicking the sentence over and over and since it starts right when you click it's particularly good for shadowing because the idea with shadowing is you're supposed to read speak and listen at the same time so if you know exactly the starting point because it's exactly when you click uh, it really is super helpful so that's um coming out very soon the intermediate stories uh you'll be getting an announcement on the intermediate course about that. Uh, if you're not to the intermediate course, not to worry. Uh, that's totally fine. If you're um, in the intermediate course already, then uh, you'll want to check those out ASAP. So if you're, you know, if you're in the foundation course still, it's essentially just news that the intermediate intermediate course that you'll eventually get to is going to be now improved. And another note on that is the vocab boost lessons are also almost ready to go. I'm just getting the flashcard deck prepared for it. Uh, we got all the audio files for them and I'm just placing them in the right spot. And so that very soon will be ready to go, including another 112 sentences, 112 usages of some new words we've been adding into the intermediate course based on the new HSK. So I've talked about that on a few previous podcasts. I won't go into too much detail here, just to say that it's almost ready to go. Uh, another thing, the Manor Blueprint GoFundMe is still happening for the advanced course and uh, getting that out. Uh, in the past 10 days, we've gotten two $500 donations, one from Soren and one from Clifford. And so thanks so much to both of you because you gave a $500 donation. When the advanced course comes out, you'll be getting that for free. And we really appreciate the support. Uh, any donation helps. It's a massive help to get the, uh, you know, 
the ability to work on it without sort of fretting too much about our financial situation as a company. You know, if I was freed up to help Luke with getting, you know, new people into the course, we could, you know, obviously have two minds focusing on the same program, but I am focused on building the advanced course. So what it does is it kind of, it divides our attentions and it makes it a little bit harder for us to get new members into the course. Just not because Luke's not doing a good job. He's doing a great job, but it's just a matter of like, if both of us were doing it, you know, two heads are better than one. So the fact that my attention has to be entirely on the advanced course means that any donations that you guys can make to the GoFundMe just helps us stay afloat while we do this. And I, I feel uh, super confident that once the advanced course is out and I can focus more of my energies on, you know, doing things like making blog posts, going on other people's podcasts, spreading the word about Mandarin, blueprint in more organic ways and then also coming up with ways to you know advertise better get the get more people learning about it uh it, you know that will and then also having the advanced course in our sort of you know arsenal uh, will be really helpful when the time comes for that so just thanks so much to anybody who has donated to the gofundme and uh we really appreciate that now speaking of the advanced course i have now planned out through characters 2700 there's still a little bit more work to do on 20 600 through 2700 but that means that uh we're very close now to uh the end we have about 315 characters to plan out now of course once they're planned out there's a process of preparing the lessons and all of that but you know the, it's the kind of thing where anybody who has donated to the manner of gofundme or is a lifetime member will give access to that um as they come out so uh look out for that moving forward and yeah, so this is uh, what's going on there. Now, I have one more thing that I want to mention, but uh, it kind of relates to the first question. So let's get into the first uh, email from Michael Rochford. Uh, he's been a longtime member of uh, the Mandarin Blueprint Method, and he's actually sending this email as a reply to a conversation we had with Christina Rebecca on the podcast uh, about being study buddies. And so I've left the link to that conversation in the podcast show notes if you'd like to check that out. So let's see what Michael says about that, and then I'll have some more comments about some new changes we're making. So he says, hey guys, after completing the intermediate portion of Mandarin Blueprint, I have to admit I am very excited for your next section. I believe that it took me around 18 months to get here. I guess I was... It was about halfway through the intermediate course that I started to get this craving for learning so much more vocabulary. It was driving me nuts, the feeling that I was just, quote-unquote, this close to having a major breakthrough. I never cut out any sentences, though. My feeling for me was that I needed to know the vocabulary, and the sentences provided a solid method to hone my understanding of the words, as well as a constant reinforcement of vocabulary I had previously learned moving my understanding of characters to knowing words. Sure, I had wanted to dish the sentence, uh, ditch, I think is probably what he meant, ditch the sentences so, uh, many times so I could just learn new characters. But for me, understanding words was more important than having a lot of characters under my belt. That being said, I have added more words to my vocabulary than have been in the course so far, and I found interesting as well as my own sentences to go with them. I guess this all goes all goes to show you how great your method is. You can take many different approaches to satisfy the individual wants and needs of each person. It is not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. For me, at this stage of things, I could easily learn 50 new characters in an hour. I figure it took longer to add a character to Anki than to come up with my movie, but I'm not in a race, and I know I am getting closer to that level of fluency that I am seeking. 
I do think the metaphor shouldn't be climbing a mountain. Maybe that was at the beginning of your course, but rather I feel like I am walking down that mountain and it's starting to snow and you guys have just handed me a pair of skis. Though all of this has been a great trip and has been fun and exciting at every turn. Thanks. Guys, I'm still having a blast, Mike Rochford. Yeah, so like really interesting comments here from Mike. And, you know, one of the things we talked about in that conversation with Christine and Rebecca was the uh, way that when you get into the intermediate course, the sentences can start to get a bit overwhelming because naturally as you gain more characters and you have, like, so if you have 1,500 characters learned, then character number 1,501 can combine with any of the previous 1500 characters. There's 1500 possible combinations for a new word. So naturally you're gonna have more words unlocked as you get deeper into the course. And so if there's a sentence for every usage of every word, it can start to feel like, wow, there is just a lot of sentences uh, for each new character. And it's you know a bit overwhelming and I wanna learn new characters so it can slow me down from that goal of learning new characters. But as Mike points out, uh, you can approach the course in several different ways. In fact, we're going to make this more explicit uh, at some point in the intermediate course very soon where to, to make it explicit that the sentences become optional. And we still recommend that you read through each sentence on the um, course platform itself. But as for unsuspending the flashcards, you can choose to do that or not because there is this kind of uh, point where like there's different points in your study life where the layer of analysis that's most important shifts. And in my experience, or, or, and also, you know, thinking about it from the way the Mandarin blueprint method is, which isn't something I used to learn because obviously I made it after I learned Chinese, but you know, with Luke and the, 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 Growth process is like, of course, at the beginning you have to start pronunciation, and then you have to move into learning character character components and characters, and you have to keep doing that and making that a major focus while also learning how they combine to make words. And then you go through this long period where you're doing all of these things, but you're learning sentences and you're getting to the actual language itself. So the grammar level, the sentence level, the paragraph level becomes kind of the most important level for a period of time. Now. It doesn't necessarily stay that way because eventually you've seen enough sentences and you've seen enough patterns of grammar that you can use that previous knowledge of grammar to more quickly learn words down the line, in which case it no longer is the most important thing for you to be doing to read sentences, it's to get your character order finished so that you can read anything. because. You go from, all right, I have a basic understanding of grammar. And we're not saying don't read at that point. We're definitely saying read. But what we're saying is that if you at some point sprint to the end of your characters then and you do some cursory reading along the way, then by the time you get to the end of your characters, you go back to reading being the most important, but you can read almost anything because there's you know the vast majority of characters that are going to show up in any piece of text. It's not just like graded texts. You can pretty much follow anything. Now, the good thing is that we're still going to make sure we have a sentence for every word that exists in the language. Uh, sorry, every word, not in the language, in the course, um, which covers all the HSK vocabulary plus, you know, several thousand more words. And uh, 
if every word, if every usage of every word has a sentence that we're for sure is comprehensible at the level you learn the word, then what we can be sure of is that if at any point you want to surgically study any given word, you have the resources to do so. Uh, but it is true that at some point, there's a law of diminishing returns for how much each new sentence gives you. Because if you learn a new sentence and it's a grammar pattern you've never seen before, that's a pretty important sentence because it's giving you something new. But if you've seen that grammar pattern you know 20 times the new sentence that has that same grammar pattern isn't helping you as much as the you know first sentence that gave you the grammar pattern for the first time so the idea is that at some point you've seen the vast majority of grammar patterns several times at which point the next key is to sprint to the end of your character learning and so uh exactly when that moment is is it's pretty clear to me that it's somewhere in the intermediate course but uh it, it maybe you know a few levels into the intermediate course, we'll say, all right, from this point on, sentences are now optional. Your main priority should be finishing your characters and, uh, you know, read through the sentences, go through the new vocabulary unlocked lessons and just, you know, read through them so that you get better understanding of the character. But then, you know, you don't have to unlock any sentences unless you particularly like one or there's one that gives you, you know, some kind of, uh, thrill to read or whatever then i'm sure add it to your uh flashcards but no need to do so the key is because like, like what michael was saying if you can learn 50 characters in an hour you don't have to it's not that long like let's just say uh you know you've got 1500 characters and you learn 50 characters a day even well that's only um that's only 30 days right so uh if you can get finished in you know say 30 to 90 days from the end the middle of the intermediate course to the end of the advanced course in terms of characters then going back and reading through the uh grammar based stuff is going to be way easier you're going to know all the top down words already and so it'll be really comprehensible and then you read the graded readers they're going to be really comprehensible and then you can even find lots of things in the wild that will help you so um these are all really helpful ways to um, – these are all super helpful ways to go through the course. And like Michael said, it's not one-size-fits-all. It's sort of the general path that you're following. But, you know, if you stop and smell every rose in the path, that's one way uh, to learn about what's the nature of the path. Or you can, you know, stop and smell the ones that you think are interesting but mostly just follow the main uh, trunk of the uh, – trunk of the tree, I'm mixing metaphors, and it's great. All right, let's move on to the next comment or question. This is an email from Terry Lee. She says, hi, the reason I want to learn Mandarin is because my mother-in-law and two sisters-in-laws are Chinese living in Benxi near Shenyang. I was fortunate to be able to visit them with my wife in the early fall of 2018 for six weeks. I had a very good time in spite of having no ability to communicate. Basically, I nodded, ate, and smiled a lot. So upon returning to Florida, I decided to see if I could learn a little Mandarin in preparation for a future visit. My wife, who is Chinese, suggested that I find a course as she could tell me if I was doing it wrong, but would not be able to really tell me how to do it right. Yeah, just as a comment on that, that's pretty much why we made Mandarin Blueprint. It's like the average Chinese teacher, while obviously fluent in Mandarin Chinese, isn't necessarily qualified to empathize with what it's like to learn as a Chinese as a second language student. So continuing. After casting around some, I finally settled on the Yang Yang Chinese course. 
Earlier in my life, I'm 75, I lived in France for 25 years. Before going, I, was I decided to try and learn a little French. At the time, there was no internet, so I had a French lesson book. With it and eventually books from the library, I was able to learn how to read actually quite well. Before going, I remember reading Solzhenitsyn's uh, Pavillon Cancero, a French translation from Russian. Of course, I could not speak well, had a horrible accent, and could understand almost nothing folks said. But after living a while, it started to click. With Yang Yang Chinese, I did her beginner course and about two-thirds of the intermediate conversational course. I coupled it with complete Anki cards in both directions with audio, pinyin, and character text. In spite of this, although I did learn a lot of words, I had a very difficult time remembering tones and really had a lot of trouble recognizing speech, phrases I should have known. I understand that I am not a spring chicken, but somehow I felt I had hit a major blockage. So after two years of daily effort and with my wife telling me that my pronunciation is awful, I decided to look around to see if there wasn't an approach that suited me better. I have heard of memory palaces before and even read an article by a guy named Mullen that talked about using such a technique to learn Mandarin. However, it was more theory and not a guide that was complete enough to be use of use to me. Eventually, I stumbled on your course. I was interested in starting over on pronunciation, giving my wife, given my wife's opinion on how I was doing. Also, a different approach for memorizing sounded good. Finally, since I first successfully learned French by first learning how to read, the idea of learning of characters and reading them as a foundation seemed like an approach that suited me better. Yang Yang does have a character course, but she doesn't recommend it until after completing Intermediate Conversational. So after two years of effort for so little foundation to stand on, I decided to start over with your course. Understand, I'm not criticizing Yang Yang. I probably learned more than I'm aware of, but my progress was slowing and I didn't see how I was going, how I was ever going to get to the point where I could read. After two and a half months with you, here is what I think. For the pronunciation course, which I did first, I think it is helping a lot. I'm still doing the daily flashcards that are due, and even my wife says that I am improving. So this is good, although I still make mistakes. For the blueprint course, I'm in the middle of phase two, level 10. A. The movies are going well. I am able to link characters with corresponding actor sets, scene, story. My recall is quite strong. B. For props, is a little tougher, but I am using the following order of select image associations. 1. An image that looks like the character works best. 2. An image that somehow ties back to the movie where the character is introduced. The image is one step removed from the character itself. 3. An image that is related to the meaning of the character. This is the least desirable because it is two steps removed from the character via the definition than the movie. C, for vocabulary unlocked, uh, two-thirds character in words, this is the most difficult. It seems like, it seems that I am much better at images than lived experiences, where I have not had much luck yet. But it is still not very easy to come up with images that associate well with multi-character words. And unlike props, I do not have a good strategy for linking them to their underlying characters. Even so, I'm doing okay so far, but I'm a little concerned this is eventually going to be a problem. In summary, I'm happy with how it is going so far, and I enjoy my daily study sessions consisting of Anki review and average around four lessons a day, approximately one character, and all it entails. Thanks. Terry Lee. So that's great to hear. Um, you know, obviously, uh, it's good to hear that you have a, a wife who's going to give you objective feedback, and she's telling you that your um, pronunciation is doing well. It's not surprising to me, our pronunciation course is pretty solid. And um, yeah, you know, it's like, 
obviously I uh, am a fan of, I think she calls it yo-yo Chinese these days, Yang Yang. I like her course, but it is a thing of disagreement that I've always had with her is that I don't think that Chinese is easy enough to learn conversationally for many people without having the foundation in the characters um, if you're an adult. Like, obviously, if you're a kid, that changes things around a little bit, changes the equation. Uh, but if you're talking about adults, I think Chinese uh, has too many homophones to justify focusing only on spoken Chinese at the beginning without that foundation of understanding the differences in the written language. So that's, you know, obviously the opinion and the philosophy behind why Mandarin Blueprint focuses so much on reading. Um, but uh, so that's that's point one. Next, uh, the movies are going well, which is great. That's uh, going to help you a lot. It's going to help you with your tones, right? Because you're going to know exactly what the tone is based on the room you're in in the set. So that's awesome. Um, and the props, you know, for both the props and the vocabulary responses that you gave, my uh, intuition, and also this isn't just intuition, it's based on a lot of solid evidence from what people have uh, given us as feedback, it's um, these things get easier as you go along, especially the props. I mean, you end up using props so much, but for the vocabulary, the you were saying you're having some trouble remembering certain uh, images and lived experiences, but you know, bear in mind one, uh, in phase two, this is going to be the most difficult it will ever be because it's a new concept, right? So it's uh, the early stages. You'll get better at it. Uh, two, the um, vocab using this technique for vocabulary is only really necessary for your foundational learning. And we stopped doing this in the intermediate course because uh, it's it you don't need as much help through images or lived experiences because what you get starting from phase three, which you haven't yet started is, um, grammar understanding. And once you have understanding of grammar, then you can learn a new word, not just by from the lower level, by combining two characters that you learned via the Hanzi movie method, but also from above by seeing the word in the context of a sentence or in the context of paragraphs or several paragraphs, which really helps you, grasp a word because you're not just dealing with the bottom-up approach you're also working from both sides and like a character if the character happens to be a one character word then you can use a sentence to learn it but if it's just a character and then it combines into a two character word and then you use it in a sentence well that isn't as easy to um that isn't as easy to jump two layers so you're looking at one character by itself and then you jump two layers to a sentence it might not be as comprehensible but if you've already learned the word because you learned the two characters and then you see that two character word in a sentence it's much easier to learn and so really the images and the living links and the lived experience and all of that that's just a stopgap until you have enough grammar understanding to be able to learn either bottom up by knowing the characters or top down by knowing the uh, grammatical structures so that will get easier as well so keep it up don't worry too much about what will happen it'll actually get easier as you go along so thanks to terry for that question and feedback Gerardo Medina in the community forum, he says, Gerardo, I'm very excited to start this course. After a 10-year gap in my study of Chinese, I started again last year and got my HSK-3 certification. Congratulations. I've got a question. In order to study for the HSK-4 level, where should I start this course from? Level 1 is too easy for me. Thank you, Gerardo. Well, we have an article all about how intermediate students should approach the course. So I believe we sent you that article, but I would just mention that it's a little bit tricky because 
the HSK three from last year is now uh, old and they've updated it. So the HSK three, the new HSK three is actually around the same level as the old HSK four. So interestingly enough, you may end up taking the, what is called the HSK three again, um, because they've updated all of them. So the vocabulary, you know, it's, the number of words in the HSK three is higher and you know, the number of concepts it covers is higher than the previous HSK three. And it's much more akin to what the HSK, the old HSK four was. Now the way we've set up the course is that the foundation course covers through the HSK one, the intermediate course covers through the HSKs two and three, the upper intermediate course, which is not released yet, still in production, is going to cover through the HSKs 4, 5, and 6, and then the advanced course will cover through the HSKs 7, 8, and 9. The 7, 8, and 9 are brand new. They didn't exist before. It stopped at HSK 6, but again, there's a whole new setup now. So uh, that's how the course is going to shake out um, starting well, I mean, it's how it currently shakes out, and then it's going to, as we get the upper intermediate course and the advanced course done, it'll cover all those levels. So that's how that works. Annette Bicknell by Community, she says, is it just me or do others also experience that writing the character in the correct manner goes out the window when recalling a character going through a scene in the head? I write the character according to the order props show up in the story, which is not how the character should really be written. I try not to do this, but it comes naturally with recalling the scene. I feel like I am fighting instinct on this one. I should say that writing a character in the correct manner does flow and look better because the props in order writing looks awful, but I do end up with the right character. Thoughts? Well, I think that you should write the character how you recall it when you're doing your Anki card, and then when the card flips over, make sure you follow the stroke order gif and do it the same way as the stroke order gif. And the reason behind that is that it's not, you know, in my experience, you get a, you start to get a feel for stroke order if you just follow the gifs, and it's not something that you need to particularly focus on too much. You just need to do it correctly and the gifts are right. So like just do it correctly. And then eventually you start to get a feel for just how it works in general. It, it, it's not something you have to put a lot of conscious energy on in my experience. So uh, if you write it, you know, in the wrong stroke order, when you're doing your initial uh, before you flip the fl flashcard, but you still got it right. You can still mark yourself right, and then just practice writing it the correct way a few times. And then, you know, uh, I, my prediction is that it won't take very long until you just naturally are starting to write them correctly. I, I think this is a short-term problem that will uh, cease to exist as long as you follow that instruction. So yeah, Brandon L on Compound Final Yo, he says, "Hey, Mandarin Blueprint, I'm going through the PM course again." And I'm getting real mixed up with the Y initials. The Y is not said like it is in English, right? But when I hear y'all speak it, it certainly sounds like that way in Yan, Yo, Yang, Yong, and Yao. I know it's supposed to be the initial I, E, uh, but it sounds like a Y to my ears. And when I try to say it as E, e instead of Yi, I say it incorrectly. Could y'all clear this up for me? I think I am confused about something or otherwise psyching myself out. Yeah, all this really comes down to is that, um, well, first as a reminder, the Y is just there for spelling. It's just a combination of vowel sounds. So like, for example, like E, O, U, E, O, U, E, O, Y, O, Y, O, right? So 
if you break down yo into e o u, it sounds like a y because e o yo yo yo. It sounds like you're going yeah, but that's just the sound that naturally kind of happens when you're saying e o u next to each other or e a o yao yao. I'm not emphasizing the y sound there. It's just e a o naturally sounds that way. Um, and so auditorily it sounds that way, but there's no extra emphasis that I'm putting on the Y because the Y sound in terms of like saying like y'all, right? Like y'all, that is not a sound in Chinese. It just, it, it, but it can be that it sort of auditorily sounds very similar simply as a result of putting those vowel sounds together. So that's really what's going on here. Um, you know, I, I would just say that, oh, and I will also mention that suppose that you accidentally put that extra Y emphasis on there. It's not something that's going to make you misunderstood. It's not such a, uh, such a problem that it's like, oh, if you add that Y sound, then for sure Chinese people are not going to know what you're saying. It's not like that. It's, it's not that big of a, a problem, but it's just in the pronunciation mastery course, we want to be quite accurate in the instructions. So, uh, technically it's not there, but if you, even if you added it, it's not that big of a deal. So, um, yeah, that, uh, hopefully answers that question. Next we have Ann Giles on make a movie for, Ju she says, I tried to make a context for myself for things currently happening. How does this look? I ate cooked rice. I am eating cooked rice and I will eat cooked rice. Yeah, I mean, these are all technically correct, and you've got the basic idea. Um, and, you know, it's interesting how with and th this is one of those things that there is not an objective answer to when it comes to when you do this or when you don't, but there are certain conventions of speech. So, for example, is grammatically comprehensible, but most people would probably say fan and that is the same meaning um, but for whatever reason there are certain verbs that tend to get placed with zai or zai which both mean presently happening and there are some verbs that tend to get placed with zhu, and there's some verbs that tend to get placed with n at the end of the sentence and exactly which ones it's just kind of conventions of speech and they even vary from region to region so um certainly if you're just thinking about it from a grammatical formula there's nothing wrong with the sentence but it just happens to be like when i say it feels weird it's not that, again it's not that it's wrong specifically it's just that I don't really ever hear people say that. They usually say, something, right? Um, now, yeah, so that like, that's kind of the idea there. Now, you tend to use with things like um, something that you're doing simultaneously with something else. So like, uh, I'm, I'm standing and speaking. So like I'm speaking while standing is kind of like how you could think of it. Means to stand or I'm sitting and recording a podcast, right? So there's things that they're kind of like um, states. They tend to be sort of states of being like I am in the state of sitting right now. I'm not 
like in the act of eating. There's sort of like a a difference there that's of kind where tends to get used with things that are kind of the state that you're in at the moment. I'm standing, I'm sleeping, uh, you know, and many times these present tense verbs get used together. So, 我在做着, in a way you could say it's redundant, um, but they do tend to get used together sometimes. So, 在 can mean present tense. 正在 can mean present tense. 这 can mean present tense. And 呢 at the end of a sentence can be present tense. And you could use them all together. So, uh, 我正在做着呢. 我正在做着呢. Right, so that would mean I'm sitting. <laughs> and I could just say 我在做, or 我坐着, or 我坐呢. But all of these are kind of like, they're all technically correct. Which one is actually a convention and which one you will say day to day is just going to depend on your listening and all of that. So uh, hopefully that's helpful. John Nomura on Vocab Unlocked from Zhong. He looks at this sentence. 他把同学的脸打肿了, he hit his classmates face and made it swell so his parents were called to the school by the teacher is that translation correct uh pretty much um so the first hit, uh, first half of the sentence definitely makes sense um you know ta so that's a classic ba sentence where you've got the object which is the classmate's face and what happened to it it was hit da with the result of swelling jong so that's fine the first Half the translation is fine. So his parents were called to the school by the teacher. I think the one element of this uh, that John is overlooking is the do something something le. So if I were to change it, that means already. So essentially, so his parents were already called to school by the teacher. There's an emphasis on it already having happened. So perhaps they got into a fight and... Very soon after it, like you know, the kids are the kids still crying or something, and the teacher the teacher has already called the parents to show that there's urgency to the situation. But that that's it. Other than that, good translation from John. Jason Pan on la duza in context, which la duza means to have diarrhea. Simple question, but is zai optional when expressing at noon position in time? Since I do not see it here. For example, 我在中午 La or Yes, um, you can say that. A lot of times with time, you omit zai, and it's not really necessary to say. Uh, you might say it if you're trying to emphasize that point. So, uh, if I would say 我在中午肚子不舒服, that would tell me that what you're saying is that you're trying to emphasize that it was noon. No, it wasn't the morning. It was it was noon around noon or the midday that I was, you know, un my stomach was uncomfortable. So, um, that's just how it feels to me when you, when you say, when you add the die, but a lot of times when you're just saying a time of day, there's, it's not necessary to say, uh, unless it's a particular point of emphasis, it's not necessary to add die. Ben on 主要 in context, 公司的活动主要是什么? What is the main part of the company's event? If you wanted to ask what is the company's main event, what would you change? Well, that is funny. It's really easy. You just switch the position of 主要 and 活动. So, 公司的主要活动是什么? Right? That would make perfect sense. So, 
活动主要是什么 is what is the main element of the of the event. So there's one event. But if I say 公司的主要活动是什么 it's saying what is the main event. Just a direct translation. 主要 main 活动 event. So yeah, pretty straightforward. And Giles on make a movie for du、uh, or day. Another request for disambiguation. We've got day must more authoritative and commanding. 需要 need more conditional. How about 必须 must. Yo, so so day still feels a bit more、uh, authoritative than even 必须 but 必须 is、um, also you know very much like there's no. Two ways about it. Like it's you got to do this thing,、um, and so it, it's pretty authoritative. And the difference is very subtle. I wouldn't really like that type of、uh, difference. Is the kind of thing that it's hard to even articulate. Other than you just tend to use them in the right place after you get enough、um, uh, practice with it. But I I can't even disambiguate them in my own mind because they're quite interchangeable. Uh, so I would say that you know the difference between them is subtle enough that you don't need to worry about it.、Um, you know, at this point, with all my years of speaking Chinese and and reading Chinese,、uh, I can't come up with a like a hard and fast rule that differentiates between them. You know, day does feel more or more authoritative to me than bi shu, but、um, bi means certain, right? So there's it's definitely you know shu yao just has this kind of idea of like. You know, it's just the difference between must and need. You know, it's a just the same way it would be in English. But like, there's the difference between must and must. Well, it's like they're they're pretty much the same. Day feels more authoritative, but it's just a feeling. It's not really anything that I can objectively point out. Austin Brewster on nasal final, yong. How should you react when someone tells you, 不用谢 Sometimes older people say this to me when I thank them for something, but I'm not sure if I should insist on thanking them or just smile and nod. Yeah, there's no need to say anything beyond、uh, when you know you say 谢谢 and they say 不用谢 Now, to a Westerner, it sounds like they're refusing your thanks, but that's it's just another way of saying you're welcome. You know, because no need for thanks is essentially saying you're welcome to my service of whatever it is I did for you. I held the door for you. Like there's no need to say thanks because I,、uh, you're welcome to my help. So it's just another way of saying、uh, you're welcome, and so you don't need to like this. They don't even really have a you're welcome response because the other common you're welcome response is bukutsi, which is basically saying like don't be polite, no need to be polite. You know what I mean? So it's it's all. Kind of getting across the same idea, which is that because you're welcome to it, there's therefore no need for thanks. So yeah, that's kind of how that works. Jason Pan on Sha in context. 猎人没有一刀杀了狼，而是把狼的肚子切开，把奶奶从里面救了出来。The first part, 猎人没有一刀杀了狼 reads more like the hunter did not have a nice. A knife to kill the wolf because of yo. Am I missing something? Yeah. So it's it's not he has a knife. It's mayo as a negation for past action. So,、um, well, mayo kaimen. I didn't open the door. It's just a negation for something in the past, right? That's what mayo is used for, or may by itself. But either way,、um, now another way to say that another thing that mayo is used for is to say I don't have something. But it's both. It has both definitions. So in this case, it's a negation in the past. Now, 
what is what does your grammar module tell you that Dao is doing here? Well, we have uh, a number plus a something and then an action. So in this case, it's actually a measure word for a blow of a knife. You know, yi dao, liang dao, right? You know, so there's blows of the knife. So yi dao sha lang. He didn't kill the wolf in one blow. Instead, he um, opened the wolf's stomach to get uh, the grandma out. This is from Little Red Riding Hood, obviously, right? And so, uh, so just to point this out, this is um, th th this is a measure word. And also, I wanted to point out something else interesting that I about this, which is that sha because sha completely and utterly ends something's life. You almost always use it with le because technically le refers to uh, completed actions, a change, or a complete and utter um, end to something, right? And so that's why you'll hear somebody say, that would mean like, I want to kill you, but it sounds wrong because it well at first glance it sounds wrong because uh there's a look and it's like why would you um combine yao and look in that way but it's because look can be used to mean completely exterminate you know and so that's um my teacher in Sichuan University Yo Lao Shi he actually uh was the he did some research on look about this particular point, and I read his article about it. It's fascinating. But yeah, that's another point that's interesting about that bit. Tina Clark on Yi Shang in context. Yi Shang de Hua, What I said above, I've only told you. Does this apply only to written text? I'm picturing someone referencing an email or a letter. Is it ever used to reference speech, meaning something like what I just said, I've only told you? I can imagine someone saying Yi Shang de Hua if they were like giving a speech, you know, and so like actually referring to the words they said above. But that's because if you're giving a speech, there's kind of this sense that you're reading down a page, right? If you were going to speak to something that you've just said, and it was just a casual conversation, you might say, 我所说的话, right? That might be what you might say. So, 我所说的话, so 所 is short for 所有, which means all, right? So all the words I've said to you, I've only told you. Or you might just say 这些话, right? The, these words, this that I've said to you, right? That's another way you might say it. I, saying 以上, uh, in a casual conversation would feel a little bit weird and formal. But you could totally say it in texts, right? Because in texts, then you're dealing in uh, d like directions. So like when you're talking about text, there is text that is above and there is text that is below. So you, there's a space there, right? Whereas when you're talking about things that you said, you're only really dealing with time. So like, it's like the things I said before, uh, you might say something like, uh, you know, like well, what I just said, um, or 我以前说的话, you know, it's, it might be something you would say. So, like, but 我, 我所说的话 is probably a 
pretty easy way to get across what I've just said, essentially, you know. George J on 为了 in context. 他为了我的事吃不下饭 Could you also say 吃不到饭? And if so, would the meaning be different? Um, so 吃不到饭 sounds to me like <laughs> like you're you have picked up a fork full of, um, or a chopstick, maybe a chopstick of a piece of something, and because you're bad with chopsticks, it falls out and it doesn't end up in your in your mouth. So you, you attempted it and you tripled out, right? But tribusia uh, is more like, I can't eat, I can't get anything down, you know, because I'm stressed or whatever. So yeah, it would kind of change the meaning. It's technically correct, but I think like you wouldn't find much cause to say that because triple uh, doll is like you can't pull it off the act of eating you can't manage to successfully do it um but xia has this more feeling like get it, get it down your gullet and there could be all sorts of reasons for that like oh, i'm just too stressed i can't eat right george j on ling in context how would you show the difference between another versus the other in chinese i think it would often be clear from the context but would it be Ling ego in both cases. So yeah, I mean, so like, it kind of is the same. Yeah, like one is um, another one, and another is the other one, and it's just context based. I mean, obviously there are other ways to say other. You can say bieda or ta or tiyu, but these are usually more than one. So if you're saying the other one, like there's this one and there's the other one, uh, it usually tends to be ling. Ling ego in both cases. Seri on Mei Tian in context. What are the reasons for using Tian Tian versus Mei Tian? Well, I'm, there's not really much of a difference in meaning. It's just a kind of um, convention of speech. So, you know, you don't always say things the exact same way. You have a different, you know, that was exceptional. It was excellent. It was outstanding. You know, there's different adjectives, different ways, different adverbs, and it's just a different way of saying the same thing. You know, I I can say that tian tian tends to get used with certain activities. So, for example, uh, you know, if you're saying uh, I wish you happiness every day, you tend to say that as tian tian. So you'll use tian tian in like things that are more general, maybe things for um, particular habits that you have, like, you know, uh, but the thing is, so could Mei Tian, right? So it, it, it just depends. But Mei Tian is a bit more common. But Tian Tian is also, I mean, any measure word you can double up and it means every one of that measure words. So uh, Mei Tian or Tian Tian, they're just the same conventions of speech, uh, giving you options for how to say things. Sometimes Tian Tian strikes me as a little bit more rhetorical, but like only slightly. Um, generally with things like that, it's just a matter of having more than one way to say the same thing. Jason Pan on la in context. I get the whole hand holding, but sanbu at the end is hard for me to understand why it's happening during that time. I would have expected a sanbu de First of all, that would be fine, um, but there's nothing particularly wrong with this sentence. Um, I think that it's just a matter of emphasis. So Jason sees the uh, holding hands to be the emphasis, but it's not really the emphasis of the sentence. The sentence is 男朋友散步. 
How did he 散步拉着我的手散步 So the emphasis of the sentence is 散步 right? That's the、uh, predicate. And so、uh, if you said 散步的时候男朋友拉着我的手 That would mean, you know, that, that's more an emphasis on the hand holding. So that's the difference. It's really just a matter of where the emphasis is. But there's certainly nothing wrong with the sentence. The sentence is just,、uh, it's just subject predicate, 男朋友散步 And then what we call a, a, a ding yu, where you're、uh, putting, or so, well, in, actually, in this case, it's a zhuang yu. It's a, a, a modification of the action. So, yeah, that's what, that's what, la jo de shou, san bu. Another one from Jason Pan on la in context. Ta la jo hua wang wai ba, ba dao, he ta jia de juoze, chap do gao. So, this is a sentence from the、um, patient's short story. Can you help me break this down for me? Ta la jo hua wang wai ba, specifically how wang wai ba means pulled up. So, ba. It's the opposite of plugging in something. It's like pulling out, right? So, and then in what direction? Wang Wai. So, from the flower's perspective, Ta La Jia Hua. So, pull the flower. What direction? Well, towards the outside. Wang Wai. And then, how, what's the verb? Ba is to pull out. So, Wang Wai Ba. And, uh, That's so, yeah, like the it, ba is kind of like almost the result of the pulling, right?、Um, and so, Wang Wai Ba. And then he has a second question here, which is also Is Jia to express desk? Does Jia help to specify an ordinary table into a desk? No, the, it's saying Ba Dao He Ta Juoze Cha Bu Duo Gao. So that would mean、uh, pulled until it's as tall as his table. Which table? His. Jada table, right? So remember that you can often omit de when it's next to something you're very intimately related with, like say your house. So ta jia is ta de jia, ta de jia, ta de jia de juoze. So it's the table that's in his house, the, the table that belongs to his house, as it were. Not just any old table, it's the table that belongs to his house. So,、um, All that is specifying is that it's a table in his house, not just his table that could be anywhere. So, jia de is modifying juoze to say it's the table of the house. So, yeah, hopefully that express, explains those two points. Rick Engeland on Pao in context. What's happening in Xiao Mao? Kan la kan ta with the two kan. If I was trying to translate the English sentence, I might go for Xiao Mao kan. Can tala.、Um, so, as we established before, can, or, well, sorry, any verb can be doubled up,、uh, have verb e verb, or have、uh, verb e xia to mean for a moment. Now, if you're doing that in the past tense, though, so if I say, xiao mao kan kan ta, kan kan ta, took a look at, looked for a moment at him. But if I want to say, or look is look. You know, looking for a moment in the present tense. But if I wanted to say it's something that happened, so it's like I'm telling a story and this is just a,、uh, I'm giving the different events of the story, then I would say,、uh, 小猫看了看他 to indicate that it was just for a moment. Like, you know, instead of it just being like, 
it's like he look. I'm sorry for those that just listen to the audio. I'm staring at the camera, right? So that would be you know can ta. There's no indication that there's any change, right? But if I say can la can, it's like look for a moment. You know, so look, look away. You know, so that type of thing. So that's the difference between those two. And that just it's can can, but you're just adding lo in between. So can la can. Rick Anglin on gun in context for dui shen ti bu hao. Would it also be okay to say? Wei shen ti bu hao. You don't say wei shen ti bu hao. It's just a convention. Uh, dui shen ti bu hao because dui includes treatment as well. Wei is just for in general, but like when you're talking about things you put in your body, it's like the treatment of your body. Um, bit of a just a convention. It's not like this is um, you know a Chinese person wouldn't understand what you mean when you say uh, wei shen ti bu hao, but like they always say dui shen ti bu hao. Uh, so that yeah, it's just a. You'll get used to it. Jason Pan on Kwai Le in context. He says, So if you wanted to ask that question a little bit more clearly, um, he wrote, uh, or, but I, you know, is, is um, clear. And it's basically saying, what is the difference? Is, or is there any difference between them? Um, and so, yeah, so what, what, are, what are the differences? And there aren't really. Tongnian uh, is childhood, and so is xiao shihou. The only real difference is that Tongnian is a bit more formal. Uh, and so you'll, you'll say xiao shihou in spoken Chinese a bit more. But again, as we've emphasized ad nauseum, just because something is formal doesn't mean you can't use it in uh, spoken language just means you'll sound a little bit more, you know, uh, professional. I don't know. Jason Pan on Nai Nai in context. Xiao Hong Mao Yoga Nai Nai Zinian Qishu Suila Yigren Zhu Zai Bi Jiao Yuan De Di Fang. So, Bi Jiao Yuan De Di Fang is the literal translation of Bi Jiao Yuan De Di Fang, a relatively far away place. Yep pretty straight up, you know, be jiao. It's just a matter of degrees. So it's like, uh, yuan by itself is far. Be jiao yuan, relatively far. Hen yuan is far. Um, fei chang yuan, very far. Te bie yuan, extremely far. So you get the idea. Next, we have a few vocab living links. So these are recommendations for how to remember vocab words. So, Hulan on vocab unlocked from Yun, Yun, Yun Qi. She said, I'm trying a roulette wheel, mobile energy bringing luck. Yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely. And so, that's a good connection to Yun Qi, which means luck in general. Jacqueline St. Ange on vocab unlocked from Xi, Xiu Xi, and Xiu Xi Ri. She says, an out of the office automatic email reply. Now, the only, yeah, I think that's probably fine. For a vocab living link, that's probably fine. Now, that's a, a bunch of text. And so maybe you want to have like uh, something that really stands out about that. But like, you know, imagine somebody's email reply was a little hologram that popped out of your iPad or whatever and said, and it was like, hey, I'm out of the office because I'm at the beach drinking margaritas or whatever. That makes it a little bit more 3D to remember. But as an image that you put in your flashcards, probably fine. George J on Vocab Unlocked from Dong, Huo Dong, Zi Dong, Yun Dong, Huo Dong, How Down, Ho Down, right? So Huo Dong, Ho Down, right? And that's an event. That's uh, quite an event to happen. So uh, who doesn't like a Ho Down, you know? 
Hajna on vocab unlock from Tian, Yi Tian, Tian Tian, Tian Mian, Wang Tian, Tian Bian. For Yi Tian, I put a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but not sure if that's okay. That's absolutely okay, sure. Something that was from long ago, Yi Tian, uh, by means of before <laughs> is the way you can think of the past. So perfectly fine. Um, and, uh, you know, for a long time ago, you might also, that's how you say, you know, long ago. So that's how that, that works. But either way, uh, making that connection to the Star Wars opening is perfectly fine for that. And that'll do it for this week's Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.